Thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, John Chesty. What's up, Victor Church? How are we doing today? Hey, I want to greet the Edmond campus. Uh, It's so good to be joining you at the Edmond campus and all of you watching online. We're just so honored that you're with us. I got a text uh, right before I walked up here that we have people right now watching from the Philippines. And so we welcome you from the Philippines and uh, people in Georgia that are watching right now and, and people all over the United States, we're honored that you would take a second to join us here at Victory Church. I don't know what time it is in the Philippines, but man, I don't, <laughs> uh, what time would it be in the Philippines? Are they behind us or in front of us? Uh, so, so anyways, we're, we're honored that you're, that you're joining us. Um, maybe you're having a sleepless night or something. A um, couple quick things before we jump into it. One, uh, how good is our worship team? I, I, at the Edmund campus, uh, pa- Pastor uh, Steve and Jeffrey and Marcy and everybody we have uh, worshiping at our, at our campuses, we are really blessed. And so we actually have released four songs and they're currently on Spotify. And so you can uh, go on and download those. Uh, right now you see that on the screen, you can pull up your phone and use that QR code. Uh, you, can, you can go and download those. There's four releases, four songs that are original works that we've kind of remastered, redone in a way, in a, in a unique way. So, so go on and, and tell, tell your friends about that. Post those on social media. You'll see us posting those this week on our social media pages. So take that, capture it, repost it on yours. And uh, we, we need to spread the word, uh, uh, the good news of Jesus. But also our worship team worked really hard to release these. And so they... they um, uh, we need to spread that. Also, they'll be, they'll be doing these uh, at our Christmas Eve services. And so why don't you invite people to Christmas Eve? Okay, so let's talk about Christmas Eve, our candlelight services, all right? So uh, we'll, we'll be doing uh, services on Friday night and Saturday night, okay? So make sure I get these right. Uh, at the OKC campus, the 23rd, which is a Friday night at 6 p.m., and the 24th, which is Christmas Eve at, at, at 4 p.m., all right? Edmond campus will be the same. Saturday night, Friday night, you'll, you'll do a, a, four, a 6 p.m. And then on Saturday night, you'll do a 4 p.m. and a 6 p.m. So three, three chances at the Edmond campus, two, camp, two chances here to go to the candlelight service that we do every single year. It'll be powerful. Invite your friends. We have invite cards that you can take and pass those out. Uh, we're excited about that. Invite your friends to that. And then also a couple of other quick things. Uh, Christmas Day services are online only, all right? Online only. I'm coming to your house for Christmas, all right? So you just invite me into your house. And what I'm gonna do that day is I'm gonna sit down and we're gonna kind of have a Bible study, all right? So even if you have family over that, that aren't necessarily followers of Jesus or don't really go to church, that church that morning online is gonna be us just having a Bible study together. I'm gonna open my Bible. We're gonna read some scriptures and see what the Lord wants to say to us on Christmas morning. So let the kids open their gifts, let the grandkids open their gifts, get a cup of coffee, sit down at nine or 11, 
and I'm coming over to your house, all right? So Christmas morning, um, let's, let's do that. A couple other quick things. Um, next, next weekend, next Sunday, the 18th, uh, Pastor Jimmy Evans will be with us, all right? So he's speaking here. He'll be here live at the OKC campus. He'll be live. Uh, and so invite your friends to that. Some, some, some people know who Jimmy Evans is, and, and they would come to church. So you can invite your friends to that next weekend. He'll be with us. And then also, uh, a quick reminder, next Sunday is the third Sunday of the month, month, which means our prophetic teams will be here between services at the OKC campus and the Edmond campus between the 9 and 11. If you're just in a season where you need a word from the Lord, our prophetic teams will be here um, next Sunday ministering uh, in those ways, Okay. Okay, I think that's everything. So I'm excited to bring a, a part two uh, to a new season that we've started, okay? So last week, we started a new season called Expecting. Uh, and really, the thought behind this, if you missed it, you can go back and watch it in the archives, but really, let me just give you a quick recap, all right? Really, what we talked about last week is that at any given time in our life, God is wanting to do something through us. And many times before he does something through us, he does something in us. The Holy Spirit, in the same way that Mary, the angel told Mary, you will conceive by the Holy Spirit. Then God comes in many times to plant a seed in our heart a conceived, that's conceived by the Holy Spirit, that's a future calling, a future destiny, something in our future that God will plant a seed in us and it'll begin to grow in us so that there, there will come a day that that seed will bear fruit or we will give birth, metaphorically speaking, to what God is wanting to do through us. And we begin to look at all of the analogies and all the symbolisms of a, of a woman getting pregnant and how that is symbolic in many ways to the way God wants to use us in powerful ways to do things in us so that he can do things through us. And the way we kind of uh, verbalize this is we say we're expecting. I'm expecting. There's a faithfulness to it. There's, 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 I don't know everything there is to know. When, you, when you're pregnant with a child in the natural, you don't know everything there is to know about this baby. You don't know the color, what it, color its eyes are gonna be, what color its hair is gonna be, what it's gonna grow up, how tall, how short, its destiny, its personality. You don't know anything about this baby, but you know that it's coming. You know that you're pregnant. It's unquestionable. And there's elements of this that, that when God calls us to do things, we don't know everything there is to know. We don't know all of the plans. We don't know exactly what this nonprofit's gonna look like. We don't know exactly what this business is gonna look like. We don't know exactly what God, how God's gonna use us, but we know that God has planted something in our spirit that we know is growing and is cultivating. And there will come a time that we give birth to it. So last week I told you that the last week's message was for those of us who aren't expecting. That, that we, we, we lack vision, we lack a calling, we wish, we hoped, we pray, we need God to plant something in us. We wanna be used by God and we're asking God to plant a seed in us in, in, in making our womb, our spiritual wombs available for God to use. And, and so last week we talked about that and if that's you, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that message. This week, I'm gonna preach a message to those of us who are expecting, that we do sense the Lord doing something. We do sense change coming. We do sense that something is right around the corner, although we couldn't articulate it. We couldn't explain it. We don't know exactly what it is, but something in us feels like it's stirring. And whether we're one day pregnant or nine months pregnant, we don't know all the details, but we know that God's doing something in us and through us. And I, I think I even gave you the title of my message last week. 
It's one of the most popular books ever, ever written for pregnant women. And most pregnant women, if you've gotten pregnant in the last 20 years, have probably read this book. The title of the book is the same as the title for my message today. The title of my message is What to Expect When You're Expecting. Now, real quick, show of hands, all the moms at the Edmond campus, all the moms at the OKC campus, if you've ever read this book, raise your hand. Several hands going up. I really hope there's no men raising their hands right now. You know, as I was preparing this message, this, 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 I, I researched this book. It's been sold, they've sold over 38 million copies. 38 million copies. And I was like, you know, if I'm gonna write, if I'm gonna write a sermon on this topic, I should probably read this book. And I just could not bring myself to read it. I was like, I'll lose my man card. All testosterone will leave my body. Like, I don't know what's gonna happen to me if I, if I read this book. So I didn't read this book. So I, I, I must admit, I, give, I must give you a disclaimer for this message and it, and it'll become as a shock to you, but I've never been pregnant. So how could a guy write a sermon about what to expect when you're expecting? Well, I, I used uh, my wife a lot in this message. I had to sit her down and ask her lots of questions. <laughs> But here's what I think I know about, about why would a woman read this book, right? I think a woman would read this book when they're pregnant because one, they don't know what to expect. I need to know that the things happening inside my body, the things happening in my mind, the things happening in my appetite, the things happening in all of the aspects of being pregnant, a woman really just wants to know, am I normal? Like, is this normal? So, so they want to know that all of the things they're feeling, it's, it's going to be okay. One, they want to know, am I going to be okay? And the second thing they want to know, is the baby going to be okay? And are there things I need to be doing to make sure that this baby comes out healthy and whole? And are there things I need to be doing or not be doing to make sure that mom is healthy and whole? And I think it's the same whenever we begin to sense the Lord stirring something in us. We want to know is this normal? <laughs> Am I normal? Like, I don't wanna mess this up. If God is really gonna birth something through me, I wanna make sure that I steward it well. I wanna make sure that what God plants through me is healthy and it's whole. I wanna make sure that myself and those around me are healthy and whole. So what can I expect when I'm expecting? And I love this word expecting. This, even this word expecting means that I have faith for something that's coming. I have faith that he who began a good work in me will see it through to completion. That there's something in me that, that is unexplainable, I couldn't articulate it, but I know that I know that I know that something's coming and I wanna steward it well. So today, I wanna talk to those of us in the room who are expecting and I wanna give you five things that you can expect when you're expecting, all right? So if, you're, if you take notes, I want you to begin to take notes. If you don't take notes, I want you to begin to take notes, all right? First thing to write down is this. When you're expecting, you can expect shifting. Expect shifting. <laughs> I started researching this and I was like, man, I just had, I wanted to take a, I just wanted to bow to all the women who have had babies. I just wanted to be like, wow, you guys went through it. Like I started researching all of the organs and where they used to be and where they ended up. And I was like, man, y'all made room. 
for this thing. Your womb got really big and all of the things that around it that used to be in place and cozy and comfortable and where they belong got moved. I, I discovered that the stomach ends up pressing up against their lungs. Heartburn, right? Like instant heartburn. All the women said amen, acid reflux. The liver up there, the bladder up there. Like I wondered why my wife went to the bathroom every five minutes when she was pregnant. And I'm like, oh, okay, I get it, I get it. Why, because things start shifting. And the closer my wife got to her delivery date, the more uncomfortable she got. Why? Because everything that should have been where it belonged wasn't there. Things started shifting. Things started moving. And this is what happens when we begin to, 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 to expect something spiritually, that, that everything kind of becomes uncomfortable. Everything that once was no longer is. Everything shifts. Everything begins to move. And even, even our passion is not in the same place that it was. Everything begins to shift. And this is how you know when God's about to do something new in you because what you once was passionate about, you're no longer passionate about. What once moved you does, does no, no longer moves you. Things begin to shift. Things that used to feel normal don't feel normal anymore. It's because something's shifting. Uh, things that used to matter just don't matter quite as much as they used to. Why? Because something shifted. Uh, a job that you used to be passionate about begins to fade. This is, this is what I've noticed in any big transitional time of my life. Right, as, right before a season, a year or two before God uh, uh, takes me into a new season, something about my old season will begin to just shift. I remember uh, whenever I was a, a VP at Southwestern Christian University, and it was like my dream job. I loved it. I, I was all in for this place, and I, and I still am in many ways. I loved this university. I loved my job. It was what I was gonna do the rest of my life. I was gonna be a president of a university. Everything about my life was focused, laser-focused on higher education, and I was doing this about six years. I, I left in my, about my eighth year, and in about year six, things just begin to shift. And I couldn't explain it. I still loved it. I still loved the people. I still loved the place. But my passion began to change. The, the light, the best way I could describe it is if you went to your light switch in your kitchen and you had a fader switch on it and it would just begin to fade. The light's still on and you can still see, but it just begins to dim. And this is what the Lord began to do in me. And these are all signs. All of these shiftings are not it's nothing to be concerned about. It's nothing to be depressed about. It's nothing to be worried about. It's God sliding the fader down of one season of your life while he's getting ready to slide up the next one. And what God was doing was he was dimming my season as a, in higher education for just a bit because he needed to raise my passion and my love for ministry. So I went from higher education to ministry as a campus pastor at this church, but God didn't put out the flame of my higher education. It was a purpose. He was going to use it, but he dimmed it. He raised my ministry so that later he could rise both of them simultaneously. So God does this in us when he's shifting us. And you just need to know things will just begin to move, and it's uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. You should just know. Talk to any pregnant woman. She'll tell you. It's uncomfortable. And as I begin to look through scripture, you will see people that go through very, very uncomfortable moments of their life. 
Um, think about Moses at the burning bush. Think about Elijah at the mouth of a cave. Think about Joshua. I, I, I would love to interview Joshua and be like, hey, long before Moses passed the mantle to you for you to take the people into the, into the promised land, was God already stirring something in you? Was there already a seed in you? Was God preparing you to lead long before anybody knew you were gonna lead? Because I'm just convinced that before something becomes public, God is doing a work on the inside long before any of that happens. So something is growing on the inside of you, all right? Make room, make room for it. It's okay to let things shift, it's okay to, to let some things fade, to let some things uh, dim a little bit. It's okay if you're uncomfortable. There's a reason for it. God's doing something. You don't need to know every detail about what's coming. Just be willing to make room. Be willing to make shifts. All right, that's the first thing. Number two, what can you expect when you're expecting? Number two, expect to be different. Expect to be different. Um, a woman makes a decision when they find out they're pregnant that they're not going to be able to do what they used to be able to do. They're not gonna be able to run as fast as they used to run. They're not going to be able to jump as high as they used to be able to jump, right? There's just sacrifices. I don't know what it is, like they can't eat weird things, like they can't eat lunch meat. I'm like, I don't, like what? Can you, you can't eat sushi, what? What are you talking about, right? There's just, there's just sacrifices that a pregnant person has to make. If they used to have a glass of wine, they can no longer have wine. There's just things that they just have to make the decision that I can't do what I used to do. I'm willing to make a sacrifice. Now, why would a woman make these sacrifices? Why would a woman be willing to change everything about the way she lives? It's because they know that what's happening on the inside of them is more important than anything that's happening around them. They're willing to make this sacrifice because they know how important it is. And this is the same, if, if we want a God-given purpose for our life, if we want the Holy Spirit to put a seed in us so that we can be used by God, we won't be able to do what others do, okay? So if God puts a seed on your heart to be debt-free, you're going to have to save while other people spend. If, if God puts a seed in your heart to, to, to change careers, to, to go another direction, you may have to go back to school and push pause on your life while everyone else continues their life. There's just some things that you may have to make the decision. If you wanna hear from God, you may have to fast while other people eat. It's a sacrifice because something, God's doing something, he's speaking, he's moving. If, if you wanna raise godly kids, you may not be able to raise your kids the way your friends raise their kids. It's just a decision that we make. Um, when other people go, you may have to stay. When other people stay, you may have to go. <laughs> we are just, we, we have to be in the world but not of the world. There's just decisions that we have to make if we want God to do something in and through us. There, women do this, believers do this because we're expecting. We're expecting. I love what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. He said, therefore, we do not lose heart. Now think about this. Outwardly, we're wasting away, but inwardly, on the inside, we're being renewed day by day. There's something happening on the inside while things on the outside are happening. And then he says, verse 17, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving. Think about the language of this. It's temporary it's light, but it's achieving. 
pregnancy is temporary, but while you're pregnant, it's achieving something, it's creating something, it's preparing for something. It's, it's, it's achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all, verse 18. And here's what we do because of all that in verse 18. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What God is wanting to birth out of you is, is going to have an eternal impact. So what Paul is saying is we have to fix our eyes. A woman that's expecting has the ability to fix her eyes on something that she can't see, but she's fixed. She's fixed on this more than she's fixed on that. And we must have spiritual eyes, Paul is saying, to fix our eyes on the thing that God is wanting to do through us, even though I can't see it yet. It's the unseen, it's the unknown, but I still have the ability to fix my eyes on this and sacrifice that. This is what we have to do. We have to expect to be different. I, um, I didn't read this book, <laughs> What to Expect When You're Expecting, but I did read some of the reviews, I must admit. Uh, one, one of the reviews wrote, um, uh, it said, my biggest takeaway from this book, What to Expect When You're Expecting, my biggest takeaway that I took away was I should never compare my pregnancy to someone else's. Right? Like my wife was sick for nine months. Forget the first trimester. She walked around with a Ziploc bag because at any given moment she may have to make a deposit, right? Her pregnancy was different. Her baby was different, you know? So we should never compare what God is wanting to do in us to what God is wanting to do in other people. We should never compare. If you want to rob yourself of joy, compare your calling. <laughs> Compare, compare your expecting to someone else's expecting. Uh, here's what I know though. Um, I'm gonna preach a sermon on this next year, at the beginning of next year. But here's what I do know. When, 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 a, when a mom gives birth to a baby, it doesn't matter how ugly that baby is. She thinks it's beautiful. Have you ever witnessed this before? Like, if you, like I'm a pastor, so I go visit babies all the time. And I have to make sure I keep a straight face sometimes. It's like, whoa, she's breathtaking. <laughs> Why? Because I'm tempted to compare my baby to their baby. But, but what I think happens is there's something, when you carry something for nine months, when you feel it being born in you, when you feel it being created in you, when you have the pains of childbirth and you give delivery to this thing, you look down at this thing and you just say, it's perfect. It's perfect. God is doing something in you. You should never, ever, ever compare your calling to someone else's calling. God has designed you to carry this calling. Right? Let, me, let me show you another, another great verse. I want to read it in the Message Bible. I love how this reads. Eugene Peterson um, does a great way of crafting these words. Galatians chapter 6, verse 4. It says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given, and then sink yourself into that. He's like, focus on what God has called you to do, Block out everybody else, put your blinders on and say, God, you've called me to carry this and give birth to this and I'm gonna be fixated on that, right? It goes on to say this, don't be impressed with yourself 
Don't compare yourself to others. Each of you should take responsibility for doing the the creative best you can with your own life. I'm here to tell you, nothing will rob you of your joy more than comparing your calling to someone else's calling, okay? Expect to be different. Look at your neighbor and say, expect to be different. All right, let's go on. Let me show you another verse I wanna pull out of uh, point number three. John chapter 16, verse 21. These are the words of Jesus. If you have a Bible that has the words in red, these would be in red. This is Jesus speaking, and he says this in verse 21. He says, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she will no longer remember the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Point number three, what you can expect when you're expecting is you can expect sorrow. But I don't want to end the point there. I want to say you can expect sorrow to turn to joy. But you should expect sorrow. Now, no amens there. Cool. I'll keep going. Um, Jesus says when a woman gives birth, she has sorrow. Now, now, Maybe it, it's, a, it's a poor choice of words in the English language, so let's go to the Greek. Okay, so the Greek, in, in the King James, it's, it uses the word travail, okay? In, in the Greek, it's the Greek word lupe, and it means heaviness, affliction, grief, and annoyance. <laughs> uh, if, if, if I had to give birth to something, I'd be like, man, can we just you know, skip to the good part, you know. <laughs> could, could we just, could I, could you just kind of have the baby in my arm? I don't want to go through the, I don't want to go through the birthing pains. Like, can we just skip that part? But what, I, what I've found in my own life that um, there's not always an epidural. <laughs> there's not always painkillers, Right? But Jesus is giving this illustration. He's saying, yeah, it's gonna be difficult. There's a, there's a, there's a process for what God is wanting to, to do through you. And there's, a, there's one piece, one element of this that, that could feel a bit difficult. It could be challenging. It could be a, a process that, that God takes you through. I remember when Michelle uh, was giving birth to Corey, she had been in labor for like 18 hours and she got her epidural all the women said amen. And uh, the, 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 the time came to begin to push. And what she realized really quickly was that for some reason, the epidural only worked on half of her body. So on the left side, she couldn't feel nothing. On the right side, mm, felt it, you know. And I remember her going, hold up. Somebody messed up, let's rewind the tape back and start over. Like, can we push pause on this and just kinda, can you guys go back there to my spine, whatever you did the first time and do it again, because it didn't take. And I remember the doctor saying, it's too late. You're just gonna have to push, right? And there's a process to this. And, and we should know, and I can't leave this part out of the, out of the notes, because it, what, what, you know what you should expect when you're expecting? You should expect hard times. <laughs> it's going to be hard, 
right? There's gonna be a process to this. There's gonna be days where, where you're excited about it. There's gonna be days where you're like, I just wanna throw my hands up. Forget this nonprofit, this is too hard for me. Forget this business, forget this marriage, forget this whatever, this is too hard, it's too much of a challenge. Now let me just take a quick poll. All right, uh, all, all the women in the room, moms who have given delivery, you've given birth to a child, raise your hand real high. Edmund Campus, raise your hand real high. Okay, all right, put your hands down. Another show of hands, all right. Let's, let, those of you who would say, that was so much fun. I just, if I could just do that every day. I'm like, it was, it was just a great time. It felt great. It was a great experience. Like if I could just say, hey, every day at 10 o'clock, let's have a baby. This would be fun. It's a great time. How many of you would be willing to say, yep, that's me. I would do this every day. Raise your hand. Anybody? Any takers? Any takers? All right. Now, show of hands, how many of you would say it was worth it? It's what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is like, it was, it was, it was incredibly sorrowful, but it was replaced with joy it was replaced with joy. And I, I saw this happen in real time when my wife would struggle and strain and pain and, and, and drag this out, right? And some of y'all ladies are like, well, at least she had half an epidural. I did it with none. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Stop comparing your pregnancy to other people's pregnancies. I'm just kidding. Gotcha. But then I saw, I saw her... I saw them take these babies and lay them on her chest and I saw her whole entire expression change. So much so that a couple of years later, she was like, let's do it again, <laughs> right? Why? Because it was replaced with great joy. Uh, it's like Paul is saying, for the joy set before you, or Jesus is saying this in the words of Jesus. Paul later, let me show you, let me show you this verse. In the book of Hebrews, we don't know the author of Hebrews, but in Hebrews chapter 12, verse two, the author says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, watch this, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not, but Jesus did not be like, yeah, let's do this every day at 10 o'clock. I would like to just climb up on the cross every day. This is awesome, it's so much fun. You know what Jesus did? Jesus said, for the joy set on the other side of the cross, he endured it. He had his own birthing, right? He had his own calling, his own purpose of why he came to this earth, and he endured it. He, he went through struggle and strain. And you know, if we, if we asked Jesus today, you know what he'd say? It was worth it. It was worth it. It was worth it. And I think the joy set before him was each one of us. He's looking on the other side of the cross, and he's seeing us and the freedom that we will live in and the eternity in heaven that we will live in, right? And, the sh and, and no shame, no guilt, no sin. And he's like, I'll do it for that. And what is it in you that God's calling you today that you would say, you know what, I will endure whatever it is that I need to endure because I can see joy on the other side of it. So we should expect sorrow, but we should expect sorrow to turn to joy, okay? So it's the joy that pushes us forward. It's the joy that pushes us through the sorrowful moments. All right, number four, let me speed up a little bit. Number four. Number four, when you're expecting, you can expect parallel production. Let me explain that. All right. I want you to think about what's happening in, in, a, in a woman's body, all right? So a woman is literally making a baby. Like, I don't even, it, it, in your womb, 
God is crafting, shaping, making a human being. That's, that's crazy enough, right? But I want you to also think that simultaneously, your body is creating a substance that will sustain that baby once it's born. Women are amazing. Y'all are rock stars. So, so you're gonna have this baby and then the whole time your body has been preparing something that, that this baby will consume that has every vitamin, every mineral, every single thing that that baby will need to sustain life until it gets big enough to feed itself comes from the same human. And what I have realized is that when God is preparing me for a work, right, when God is preparing me for my next season, that something's gonna be birthed out of me for me to steward, what I have realized as I reflect back on my life is while I was expecting, God was also doing a parallel production in me. That God was producing character in me. That when I didn't realize it, God was producing leadership in me. That all the way back when I was doing customer service, delivering copy paper right out of college, God was teaching me how to work with people. God was teaching me how, 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 how to uh, customer service, right? Uh, moving into to, to the university, God was teaching me leadership skills. God was teaching me how to manage money. God was teaching me how to balance budgets. God was teaching me, I didn't have any, had, have any idea what I was doing. Like I would sit through meetings and they're using words like P&L and, and profit and loss and revenue streams. And I'm like, I don't even know what we're talking about, but I'll just nod my head and be like, uh -huh, uh -huh, yeah, I, I, yes, I'm, I'm in full agreement. Right. God was teaching me, he was producing things in me to prepare me. And now it makes me stop and think, God, what are you producing in me now? The very thing that God is, is preparing me for a year from now, he's doing a parallel production in me so that when I give birth to it, I can, I can provide something that will sustain it, that will nurture it. God is, is, is a miracle working God. And he's always working, he's always moving, he's always doing something through us. So, so what that means is we should not rush this season. We should not rush this season. We should let God do his work. Uh, Philippians one verse six says, being confident of this, what does that mean? I'm expecting, I'm confident that he who began a good work in you will carry it through to the completion. God is beginning a work in us and he's gonna see it through to completion. And we should be excited to know that he's doing a parallel work. He's creating something in you and simultaneously giving something that's gonna sustain it once it gives birth. God is always moving, he's always shaping, he's always creating. And what I wanna challenge you with is to look around you and ask yourself, what is God producing in you, okay? Maybe you're in a season where he's producing patience in you. <laughs> no amens there, okay. Maybe, <laughs> no one gets excited about that one. <laughs> Maybe God is producing stewardship in you. You know, I think, I think Joseph, Joseph became the second in charge of the entire nation of Egypt. But I think all those years in prison was a parallel production. I think God was producing something in him. 
I think God was teaching him how to manage and steward and shape when Potiphar's, Potiphar's house, he was in charge. And in the prison, he was put in charge. And his leadership grew from here to here, from here to here. He was learning how to manage. He was learning patience. He was learning how to steward well. Why? Because he was going to have to make seven years last another seven years. God was doing an inner work. And if you look close enough, God's doing a work in you too. But we have to be mindful of this and know that it's happening. And my last and final point is this. I want to read a verse for you. This verse I'm going to read for you. Most theologians believe that this is, uh, uh, is like, like a messianic prophecy. It's a, it's a word about a coming Messiah. That when the Messiah comes, there will be a bursting forth, a birthing of the church. And the rapid growth of the church, they think that this is really what this, this scripture is talking about. I wanted to kind of set that up. Uh, and now I'll get to verse 9, which is I really want to unpack verse 9. Verse 7 of Isaiah 66 says, before, talking about Zion, before she goes into labor, she gives birth. And before the pains come upon her, she delivers a son. Who has ever heard of such things? Who has ever seen things like this? Can a country be born in a day or a nation be brought forth in a moment? Yet no sooner is Zion in labor than she gives birth to her children. So that verse you could unpack for days and weeks and people far smarter than me would do so. But then verse nine kind of shifts gears and it kind of presents, it's the Lord speaking, it's the Lord's voice. But in, in verse nine, it's basically revealing to us the character of God, right? God is about to reveal to us who he is, one of his attributes, one of his many attributes. Remember whenever... Um, he asked Moses when Moses was really questioning uh, God's ability and the Red Sea and just a season of the Israelites. The Lord told Moses, is, is the Lord's arm too short? It, it came as a question. God many times poses things to us to make us think on a deeper level. He poses them in the form of a question. So he asks Moses, is my arm too short? You don't think I can reach across the Red Sea and, and part this? So it's making Moses think outside of his little box. This is one of those verses, all right? Verse nine, this is the Lord. And he says, do I bring to the moment of birth and not give delivery? Says the Lord. Do I close up the womb when I bring it to delivery? Says your God. He's saying, you don't think I can do it, do you? You're not expecting God's like, do you think that I would put a seed in you, let it grow, and then when it comes time to give birth, I'm gonna stop it? Do you think that, that you get to the point where it's, where it's finally coming and God's gonna be like, nope, I changed my mind, we're done, right? My, my fifth and final point, I want you to write this down, and I believe this is a word for somebody in the house, somebody at the Edmond campus, and the word is this, number five. Get the room ready. Get the room ready. Both children that Michelle and I had, did you know that before she gave birth, I set the crib up? Did you know that before we brought those babies home, I painted those rooms? Before we ever gave birth, before the delivery ever happened, I stayed up till one o'clock in the morning putting a stupid crib together, right? We had showers. People, people brought us gifts. 
We, we got a diaper changing table. We got one of those little diaper things that you throw the diapers in and they're supposed to not stink, but it does. So you end up taking it to the trash anyways. Like we got all the junk, all, everything. We bought it all. Why? Because we were expecting. We had faith that God would not bring us to the moment of delivery and close up the womb. So we started getting the room ready before that baby got there. And the Lord very strongly put this point on my heart that there are many of us who we have a sliver of hope, we have a sliver of expectation, but we don't quite have enough faith to get the room ready. Two, two ways that we need to do this, all right? Two ways we need to do this. Number, number one, we need to make room, all right? We need to make room in the womb. So step number one is we gotta make room in the womb. We gotta make room for God to put something in us, even if things have to shift, even if my priorities need to change, even if my career needs to change, even if my retirement plan needs to change, whatever needs to change, I'm willing, Lord, to make room. But then we have to have the faith to know that it goes from the womb to the room. So then I gotta make room for a nursery. (laughs) I gotta get the room ready. I gotta get the room ready. What, what does this mean? What does this look like? I, I, don't, I don't know what this means for you. It can mean a lot of different things. It, it may mean you need, you need to go back to school. It may need, mean you need to sell the house, put the house up for sale. I don't know what it means for you and I don't wanna put words in your ear to make you do something that isn't the Lord's voice. And I don't want it to be my voice. You gotta make the room ready for what the Lord's telling you to do. But I can give you an example. So I was looking through some, some journals, a journal, um, regularly, and I found this journal entry in September of 2020, where I was doing this real reflection on my life and patterns of my life. And what I begin to realize is that my calling really is, is a, a, a term that I coined um, a re-leader. And this is the book that I wrote this summer, and I'm in the middle of crafting and shaping this book, that there are those who are called to build new buildings. There are those who are called to launch organizations, they're entrepreneurial, they launch businesses, they launch nonprofits. And then I'm convinced that there are those that are not builders, they're rebuilders, right? It's Joanna Gaines. They're called to come in and fix what other people broke. And what I begin to see is this pattern in my life where God would insert me in, in, in troublesome spots because he trusted me to relead it, okay? So I began to discover this. I, I wrote, I've been writing about this for a long time in, in the secret place, in the quiet place. And then I began to feel God stirring me to do more with it. And so I'm like, God, I don't know what that, that means, but, but I'm pregnant with it. I, I know that something's coming with this and I don't know what it is. And so I just began to, to, to stir. I was like, well, I'll, I'll write some on it. I'll study it. Okay, God, I'll write a book, okay? And now it's even morphing into more than that to where I'm like, okay, I don't know exactly what color this thing's eyes are gonna be. I don't know what color hair it's gonna be. And I don't even know how big it's gonna be or what what its personality is gonna be. But I know that God wants to do something with this. So I'm trying to get the room ready. I'm I'm, I'm buying websites. Well, I could call it this. I could buy this website. I could do this. What does that mean? It means I still don't really know. And I I haven't came to the, the delivery date but I can start getting the room ready. And by getting the room ready, God is watching us set up the crib and he's saying, that's the kind of faith I'm looking for. It's it's an expectation, there's an expectancy. 
And faith is a currency in the kingdom. And God sees our faith. He sees us moving forward. And he, he, and he, wants, to, he wants to step in and join that journey with us. Let me, let me read this verse over you. I gave this verse last week to those of you who weren't expecting. But I want you to know, for those of you that are expecting, this verse is just as applicable. Isaiah 54, 2. This is a word for some of you. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Have enough faith to start behaving as though the baby's already here. Okay? Have enough faith to start behaving as though the baby's already here. We stand here, feet with me. Edmund, stand up with me if you can. Let me read this verse over you again. This is what the Lord says. Do I bring to the moment of birth and not give delivery, says the Lord. Do I close up the womb when I bring to delivery? And I don't know who this word's for. It may be for one person, and it may just be a word that's meant to bounce off that back wall and hit me in the face. And I'm good with that too. But I think the Lord is saying, get the room ready. Get the room ready. Take a step of faith. Do something that's uncomfortable. <laughs> Expect shifting. Embrace shifting. Embrace the discomfort, right? I wanna, I wanna do something real quick. I don't wanna belabor this and we're running a little bit long and so if you end up having to slip out the back, it's totally fine, but I, I wanna do something in the house today that I feel this very strongly. If there's people here that are saying, I'm, I'm expecting, I'm expecting, and I want, I want to step into this. I wanna give birth to this. I, I don't have anything magical or anything I just want to pray for you. That's it. Like it literally just comes down to, I'm kind of old fashioned. I like to lay my hands on people and just pray and believe and come into agreement together. So Pastor Wade's going to come up to the, to the stage at the Edmund campus and here at the OKC campus, I'm going to ask both campuses, the Edmund campus and the OKC campus, on the count of three, if you're like, I'm expecting and I want God to do something in my life, I want you to just leave your seat and come down to the altar. All right? On the count of three, one, two, three. Leave your seat, come down. Leave your seat, come down. Edmund Campus, leave your seat, come down. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Come on, pack it in tight. Pack it in tight. Prayer team, I don't have this many hands. Y'all gonna have to help me. Come on down, pack it in tight. Come on, let's agree. This is beautiful. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if all these, if God allowed all these people to give birth to something? This is revival. This would be revival, would it not? I'm gonna step off the stage and begin to pray for people. I encourage you, maybe you even responded to come down front. The Holy Spirit may direct you to the person next to you or the right of you, and you may need to lay hands on somebody and pray. We can, we can pray for each other, amen? Uh, let, me, let me pray for you corporately, and then I'm gonna step down and just begin to pray. Pastor Oscar, you guys are ready. Okay, sing a song or something. Father, we thank you. <laughs> we thank you for these that have responded. Oh, Lord, look at us. We're expectant. We're making room, God. We're making room. We're saying, come and shift stuff around. Come and have your way.
We're making room in our womb, Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Plant seeds today, plant seeds today, God. Seeds that will grow, seeds that will impact your kingdom. New giftings, new callings, Lord. I pray for my brothers and sisters, Father, that you would help them, help them. Now that we know what to expect, God, we need your grace. We need your protection. God, help us steward these babies well, Lord. Help us steward these callings well, Lord. Thank you for tears of joy that overcome tears of sorrow. God, give us the faith to get the room ready. Speak to us, Lord, our next step. We know that you rarely use a spotlight, but you'll show us the next step. Give us the faith to take it, Lord. It's a big step. Oh, Holy Spirit, come into this room. Minister to your children, Lord. Holy Spirit, have this room. Have this room. Break us, Lord. Break us for what breaks you, Lord. Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.